Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. Really, in order to find quality care, you often have to be on a wait list that's months long. The people, places, and issues the Bay Area is talking about. The aggressive advocates who were looking to overrule Roe for so long, they really had no idea of the consequences they might be opening up. In this case, there very well may be charges that are appropriate. For example, trying to obstruct an official proceeding of Congress, right? That is unlawful. This is KCBS In-Depth. sports fan and being a woman, well, it's not always the easiest road to walk because while there have been countless teams to pull for and an endless parade of superstars to be in awe of, for a lot of women for a very long time, that meant watching men and only men play. Now that doesn't mean that women weren't involved in sports. In the world of college basketball, women took to the court for the first intercollegiate women's basketball game right here in the Bay Area, Stanford versus UC Berkeley in 1896. Around that same time in 1895, the British Ladies Football Club held their first match in London. So the fact is, is that women have always been in the sports universe, but when compared to their male counterparts, it's always been a bit in the shadows, and especially so when it comes to the professional side of things. But there's been progress along the way with more and more eyes turning towards women's pro sports teams, slowly but steadily gaining ground and gaining fans. And that brings us to 2023, a year that has shown that the appetite for women's sports is growing, and growing in particular here in the Bay Area. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth, broadcasting throughout the Bay Area and streaming on the Odyssey app. I'm Mary Hughes. Women's pro sports and the Bay Area. A match made in heaven, if 2023 has anything to say about it, with a WNBA expansion team awarded to the Golden State Warriors and planning to tip off in 2025. I think the WNBA has really just become a part of the sports fabric in our country. The WNBA is a league that has given a couple of generations now of young women the chance to play professionally at the highest level. There's a great joy and a love for basketball in the Bay Area. It just seems like a natural connection. There's a shared love for the game that our guys feel. It's a great place for a WNBA franchise. 
and the newest National Women's Soccer League expansion team, Bay FC, co-founded by the Bay Area's own soccer legend Brandy Chastain, set to take to the pitch in the South Bay next year. But we are so excited that the Bay Area is finally going to have our own professional women's soccer team. But for all of us, this is much bigger and much more than soccer. Women's sports are critical to creating the path the world needs for change. Girls who play today become women who lead tomorrow. 80% of female execs played sports. Girls who fight to defend their goals become women who fight to defend their rights. Girls who calmly create an attack become women who are confident under pressure. And girls who work together to score goals become women who work together to achieve their goals. Alan, David, all of us at Sixth Street and the Bay Area Football Club's larger ownership team, we share a really deep commitment to a more equal world. That's why we're gonna work with our foundation, Lean In, and not just bring great soccer to the Bay Area, but bring leadership training for women and girls in our community. This world still holds women and girls back, and we're gonna better equip them to win, to score, and to lead on the field and off. But this isn't the first time that women's professional sports seek to stake a claim in the Bay Area landscape. So to help us traverse that long and winding road to now, we're speaking with Rita Liberti, professor of sport history in the Department of Kinesiology at Cal State East Bay. Thank you so much for being able to join me in this conversation on In-Depth. I appreciate it. Sure. Thanks. You know, it's bigger than it seems uh, upon first glance when you start looking at the history of professional women's sports in the Bay Area. And I feel like that's a good place to start. So, you know, what what can you tell us about the history of, of that here in the Bay Area as far as like, you know, when did we start seeing professional teams, even if they didn't last? And, you know, who were they? What, you know, what leagues did they belong to? That kind of thing. Yeah, um, it it actually goes back uh, several decades. I think I think a lot of people, if they give it any thought at all, probably think about women's professional sport in the Bay Area as a very, very recent um, sort of happening. And that's that's really not the case. I mean, um, we really begin to see um, a critical mass of energy really in the 1970s. And that's not surprising given, you know, given the sort of broader cultural um, changes that are happening in society around women and women's sports. So um, and of course, basketball being probably the sport that has the deepest roots um, in terms of pro sport in the Bay Area, women's pro sport in the Bay Area. Although softball uh, was a was a pretty popular sport too. But um, you know, in basketball, the San Francisco pioneers of the women's basketball league, and again, all of this this what's really sort of both sort of sad and remarkable about this history is how short lived all of these episodes are, right? So the San Francisco Pioneers survived for a couple of years. Um, The Ladies Professional Basketball Association, the following year, 1980, but that's even, that's even shorter. Man, that league lasts about a month. And um, 
there was a team, the Oakland Outlaws, and I don't know much about the Outlaws, but I'd love to know how they came up with that name. Um, they were they were one of the six teams in that league, but they never even played a game. That's how um, short, uh, you know, that tenure was with that league. Really? Not even yeah. one game? Not even one game. The league survived a month. Um, and three of the six teams in the league never even played a game, and Oakland was one of those teams. So that you know, that gives you a sense of, you know, it's no wonder people don't know that there was a that there's been a pass to women's pro sport because it was so short. Um, you know, and then the ABL, which I think some some listeners might really remember, um, the American Basketball League, the San Jose Lasers. You know, they were around for a couple of years, had quite a following. You know, I remember going to those games. Um, Small, you know, relatively small attendance by, you know, maybe today's standards, but still a lot of energy and a lot of enthusiasm. And then, of course, they they fold. The ABA folds in the face of the WNBA, which got its start in 1997. Um, and so then, you know, the, and the WNBA has really kind of amazing longevity in terms of women's pro sport uh, leagues, given that they just celebrated, I think, their 25th year. Uh, soccer, of course, has its roots back to the 1990s, um, actually the early 2000s with pro soccer, uh, the cyber rays. A lot of folks probably remember the cyber rays. Um, and I think probably one of the most interesting episodes or chapters in women's sport history, professional sport in the Bay Area, uh, women's professional soccer, the women's professional um, soccer league that came after um, the WPSL, um, again, short-lived, only two years, 2008 to 2010, but the FC Gold Pride, you know, they played their games at Pioneer Field on my campus, Cal State East Bay, which was Cal State Hayward then, uh, and they had the phenomenal Marta on that team, as well as a number of outstanding, other outstanding women playing some locals. And they, like so many others, just could not generate the enthusiasm. And of course, the money didn't follow, and they folded. Um, but to have Marta playing in the Bay Area um, and, and folks not even going out to see her, I think, was sort of an example of, of the struggles that women's pro sport has faced. Um, and I mentioned softball. I think it's one of the sports that gets so little attention and yet its its roots in the Bay Area are so deep. 1970s, you know, the San Jose Sunbirds, um, I, they were a phenomenal team with amazing athletes. You know, I think Diane Callium and all the other great players on that team playing to small crowds, enthusiastic crowds, uh, but small crowds nonetheless. But you know, they were they were short lived as well, three or four years. So anyway, that's a that's a long way of saying a lot going on, but in very short spurts and no longevity, really. Well, yeah. And as I thought about this, you know, and I'm looking at this professional side of things, which, as you said, just a very little longevity um, during this rather, you know, deep history of teams and leagues trying to get a foothold and then not. But then I look at something on a, you know, a collegiate level. I look at like the Stanford's women's team basketball team and it you know i feel like they're constantly in conversation but you know why do you think that that didn't that that type of enthusiasm didn't translate in, into something professional you know mm. being able to actually work out earlier 
Yeah, you know, I think the college teams, first of all, have had, you know, they've they've had they've had long histories now. Many of them got their start right at the start of, you know, the if not before Title IX in 1972, then certainly right after Title IX. And playing every year, I think creating the local fan base, and then just the rise of college sport as an entity, I think, through the 80s, the 90s, especially when women's college sport gets really takes a foothold. Um, and, and again, I think the kind of energy around it where where local and regional affiliations get created and communities can begin to call their team their home team. And I think that just garnered a lot of support and a lot of enthusiasm, like the Stanford women's team that you mentioned, and certainly, you know, other other teams in the Bay Area and beyond. So I think there's, you know, I think we often think that men's sport just starts and it's automatically and people are automatically enthusiastic about it and it's it's garnering a large audience. And that's not been the case. I mean, it does take some time um, to build um, these structures, the infrastructure of the league, for example. And I think we're beginning to see a little bit of that now. I mean, the fact that the WNBA has been around for 25 years, uh, I think, is a is a testament to the change that we saw right at the turn of the 20th century and now going into the 21st. Well, I definitely agree with that. And, you know, don't want to look too far forward yet. Um, but as you mentioned, these leagues struggled and financially, I, I would imagine that that was a big part of why they couldn't go longer than they did, that these teams couldn't go further than, you know, that than they did. Um, you know, were there any other hurdles that seemed to get in the way of these teams and leagues lasting? Right. I mean, it's it's all it's all connected, right? I think people will often often just go to the money, and and that's certainly the case. I mean, there were there weren't there weren't the investment structures around these early franchises and leagues. Um, not that that not that it's fine now, but it's certainly the pockets are a bit deeper now, um, and the investments are much more serious investments. But, but we also can't remove women's sports from this broader societal unease that has always been around women's sport, continues to be around women's sport. And one of the things that that I think really um, just sort of still troubles me, and I worry about its its growth and its potential inroad because I think there continues to be a tremendous amount of gender unease about women's sport. It's all sport has always been a male preserve, at least in the United States, um, with sports around basketball and soccer, et cetera. Even though women have been playing it at high levels for a long time, there's always this idea that women enter this male sphere and suddenly they become less feminine, whatever. We think about, you know, sexuality becomes a, a piece of this too. And I think that that all plays a part and and kind of reservations that some may have um, that of course leads to other things like not investing in it, right. Not being on, not being a huge, um, you know, cornering parts of the media, for example. So I think for me, it's, it's the, it's the gender tensions that come along with women's sport that um, still continue to hound it, you know. Call from mom, answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. 
Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Well, and that's something I've I've had other conversations um, about, you know, what equity looks like in the sports world. And I, you know, I do think there's a little bit of, as you were saying right there, this um, odd uncomfortability with seeing women in a, in a sports arena, uh, you know, and I wonder where equity plays a role or if it has played a role in, in it taking so long for women's professional sports to kind of garner the attention that a professional league and team might need to build a fan base and get loyalty. Um, yeah. You know, if you're not being exposed to them, then how do you know? Right. And I think, I, I think that's one of the things that, that is encouraging though. And I think the WNBA um, and I'm delighted to see, you know, the, the fact that it will be um, in the Bay area. I was hoping for Oakland, but we'll take San Francisco. Um, but I, I do think there's, while there, that while there remains this, the kind of gender issues that are always swirling around women's sport for some, the WNBA has really been a leader. And I think discarding some of its earlier uh, marketing and promotional activity, I think not wanting to, almost wanted to silence the huge lesbian and queer fan base that it had. And now over the last five to seven years, they have really changed their tune. And I think it's a, it's a reflection of broader changes in society as well, um, where they have, you know, welcomed this queer fan base and have um, built this league almost around it. They're certainly not hiding from it at all. And I think that obviously it's been a good thing for the league and it it's a, it's a space where all can feel welcome um, you know, straight families, queer families, whatever, right? They can all go and enjoy elite women's basketball. And so I, I was glad to see that happen. And I hope that the homophobia that has long been a part of women's sport is is dissipating a little bit, although I fear that it's being replaced by a sort of transphobia now. But, um, but I do think that some of that is falling away. And I think it helps to explain why, why there's been more energy and enthusiasm and focus on women's pro sport. I appreciate you bringing up um, the fact that transphobia it has definitely made itself known in the women's sports world um, and, and how different leagues and teams are handling that. Uh, again, a reflection of, I do think the changing, or I do believe the changing attitudes when it comes to sports and women in general. I think the, the strict binary, I mean, is it not to sound too academic, but I think that that strict binary of gender, right, of masculinity and femininity, I think sport has done a great deal to sort of break that down and to not see it in such a strict binary. Um, and I think the the angst among some over trans is really a piece of that as well. It's not just about sex. It's about 
is about gender. And I think sport is a great place where those those walls get torn down a little bit because to be good at basketball, to be good at soccer, you have to display display power and speed and aggression and quickness. And, you know, so women have been doing that for decades and women's bodies have always been policed because they break down those gender barriers in sport. But I, I hope as a society, we're getting a little less anxious about it and much more comfortable with the fact that, you know, all humans display power and strength it, uh, you know, men don't own that. Um, and I just I just hope we're getting more comfortable with it as it's embodied in these great female athletes. Well, and you bringing that up, uh, the, the things that have changed over time um, when it does come to professional women's leagues in particular, you know, talking about the WNBA, um, it could really work towards this next um, question of, you know, what makes this time different? Because when you do look at the the past here in the Bay Area with pro women's leagues and, and teams, you know, it, it's not that well-known people or people connected financially weren't a part of it. You've got someone, you know, like Joe Lacob, uh, he's owner of the Warriors, and he was also uh, part of uh, the ownership of the Lasers. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, you had Brandy Chastain, who played with the Cyber Rays. Um but even with that, that wasn't enough. So do you think that it's down to the culture shift around women in pro sports that that makes now a better time than than the past? I do. Um, you know, I, I do think that's the case. I think I think investment and energy follow that. I think um investors see it as a growth market. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of room for expansion in women's pro sport. Um, and so I think uh, with the, the kind of, um, that gender no longer seems to be at issue for many people. Is it okay? Is it appropriate for women to be doing this? I think that question has been settled, right? Um, and so I think now it's a matter of really seeing through all that and people seeing these folks for the, athletes that they are, you know, not sexualizing, not, um, it's, it's just really enjoying them as athletes. And I think that that is a change and that, that is something that we've seen. And we've seen, you know, you talk about a little bit about the capital investment. What's, what's really been cool, of course, is to see over the last few years, um, women's involvement, you know, folks who are former players, as you mentioned, Chastain, but many, many others, um, who are former players who now b- both can leverage their um, their their former athleticism, their celebrity, and their wealth, and bring that and the networks that they have into this space, and literally take ownership of women's sport, <laughs> which is a, a change and a welcome change. Finally, I mean, I'm a little. I remain disappointed that you know, I wish there were more women in, in many of the leadership positions that surround women's pro sport. The, the coaching stuff for me, you know, the WNBA has made, I think, again, really important strides in putting more women on the sidelines as coaches. I'd like to see that with professional soccer in the U.S. I don't think that's happening as fast as many people would like. Um, but you should never, I don't think, look down look down the roster of the 12 or whatever, how many teams there are in the league and see predominantly male coaches. I I don't think that's, I think that's again, a reflection of in some ways of who society thinks is, 
is best able to coach. Um, and that's not, that's not cool, obviously, but maybe we'll see change there too. But at least we're beginning to see, you know, the ownership pieces of it um, falling in different directions away from complete and total male leadership. So yeah, strides being made, but obviously still some some barriers uh, that linger. And when when I was thinking about this entire topic and conversation, and and really thinking about you know the difference between you know as you said the San Francisco pioneers, um, mm -hmm. I was reading up on them a little bit. Started you know back in 1979. And and to now, where we're going to get a WNBA team in the Bay Area, uh, we've got Bay FC, and that's mm -hmm. very exciting. Um, Oakland Soul, you know, just a lot of positive steps. And we just talked about what seems to be galvanizing everyone at this moment that perhaps didn't exist previously. So what has to continue to happen for this to really take hold and go forward because I, you know, I feel like there's a magic kind of combination that you have to hit on for any sport and any team to, to really get people excited. So, you know, what has to happen next to keep this momentum going? Yeah. I mean, I, I do feel, call me an optimist. Many people don't, but I'll call myself that today. Um, <laughs> I, I think that, that, that that momentum already feels a little bit to me like it can't be stopped now. I mean, I, I think what's happening in the college ranks is feeding this, I'll call it a frenzy in women's pro sport. I mean, when I think about the, the kind of energy and enthusiasm that has always been around women's college basketball for as long as women's college basketball has been around, and now we're beginning to see that, whether it's through the, you know, the NIL deals or whatever it is, but, you know, to see people like Caitlin Clark and so many others, the entire LSU women's basketball team, to see, to see, to see the energy around those units. Um, and then obviously people want to follow those athletes into the pros and that there is a space for them. I, I think that that, that kind of, that kind of enthusiasm can't be stopped now. People know they're great athletes. They don't have to be sold on that. They know it. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm hoping that that, that that continues. I am, I, I do though have reservations. Like I mentioned the transphobia stuff. I, I do think about the gains that women's sport and women's pro sport has been making in recent years. And I think about that in the broader context of what's going on with women's rights more generally around, you know, restrictions in terms of abortion, et cetera. And, you know, control, women have controlling over control over their own bodies. And I, so I worry about that and that, that, that both of those things are happening in this same moment is kind of, it's kind of crazy, you know, and it does make me wonder where it's all headed though. I have to think that in the end, um, respect for women, their athleticism, um, you know, will hold sway here. Um, but boy, uh, it, it is a little, it's a little sort of uh, schizophrenic. I don't know what to call it, but that, that women's rights can be so trampled on in other areas of society in this moment and yet seem to be expanding in sport. It's kind of incongruent to me at times, you know? 
Well, I'm definitely looking forward to see what comes next um and especially with with the bay area getting you know having these professional teams be a part of the landscape and perhaps for the first time being able to last and uh it will be interesting to see what comes next it will uh thank you so much for being a part of this conversation and um yeah really appreciate it it was great yeah i appreciate your time thank you so much Liberty, professor of sport history in the Department of Kinesiology at Cal State East Bay. Great conversation about the deep history of professional women's sports in the Bay Area and where we're heading with Bay FC and a WNBA team coming to the area. Great way to wrap up 2023. You can find this episode and past episodes of In-Depth online at kcbsradio.com. You can also hear the episodes on the Odyssey app. Download the app on your smartphone and favorite KCBS radio. Thanks for listening for KCBS and In-Depth. I'm Mary Hughes. You've been listening to KCBS In-Depth. Get every episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Visit kcbsradio.com for more news and interviews. We are the Bay Area's news station, KCBS. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 